title of the message this morning is, Where's My Super Suit? Where's My Super Suit? We want to play this little, this little video here real quick as we get started. Someone look at your neighbor and say, woman, where's my super suit? <laughs> then, then look at your other neighbor that was a gentleman and say, sorry, dude. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, uh, God has given us a super suit. And we need this super suit because there are a lot of villains in the world, but there truly is only one adversary. There's a lot of villains but there is only one adversary. And his goal is to blind us from the realities of God's kingdom within. He wants to blind us from all that Jesus Christ has done so that we won't destroy his work in our lives and allow the kingdom of God to have its way within our lives. This adversary knows that if we walk in the revelation that Christ accomplished for us, we have everything we need to defeat him. But the sad thing is, there are, believe it or not, there are a lot of people, even some Christians, that truly don't believe that they have an adversary. I remember uh, friends of mine who, who I lived with for a couple months before I got married. They were helping me out as I was saving up to, for, uh, for our wedding day, and they allowed me to live with them uh, free of charge, besides, you know, paying for my own food and mowing their grass and watching their kids and <laughs> all this other stuff, but... Uh, <laughs> Praise the Lord, I was young and able. <laughs> but uh, uh, they liked to go out and evangelize, and they went out, and we lived in Florida then, and, and we lived by a, a lakefront, East Lake Tohopakalaga, a really beautiful lakefront. And they went out ministering one day, and they were talking to this one couple uh, about the Lord and about the adversary, the devil. And these people just couldn't believe that they had an adversary. It just shocked them, Really? I mean, I, I know about, but, but I have an adversary? Someone hates me? Someone wants to destroy my life? Yeah. His name is Satan. I remember Roy Stockstill uh, at a, a senior pastor conference. There's just a few of us there, more of an intimate setting. And uh, Roy Stockstill, who was 90 years old at the time, he's in heaven now. He passed away several years ago. Um, he taught us every morning for almost a week for an hour, 90 years old, just the wisdom that came from that man. He said, I just want to share with you key things, several key things the Lord has taught me over his, whatever, 50-some years of ministry. And this is one of the key things he said. You have got to come to realize that people are not the enemy. There is one enemy, and that's the devil. Amen? We need, we need a super suit. So let me, let me share with you a couple things what the Bible says about this adversary. You know, we mostly know him as Satan. 
or the devil. The devil actually means slanderer. Um, Lucifer was his given name when he was in heaven. I won't go into all the details of his origin and everything there. That'd be for a different time. But this is what the Bible says about your enemy. The first thing, he's a murderer. He is a murderer. Actually, in that same verse, it says that he does not stand in the truth. He's a murderer and does not stand in the truth. The Bible also says he's a liar. And he's the father or the originator of lies. You remember that song as a kid, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire? That was the devil, right? He's a liar from the beginning. Another word, another uh, 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 name given to him is he's the accuser of the brethren. He likes to come in and get you to accuse other brethren. Speaking little things into your ears so, you, so he can cause division. He can break the vision or cause the vision to die. Die vision. God's vision in your life. He, he's the accuser of the brethren. Bible says he is the adversary. He's the tempter. When you're tempted, it doesn't come by God. You know, we can't... The, the truth is we can't be tempted with anything uh, that's not in us. We're tempted by that which is within. And the more we get God's nature within, the less we'll have of this fallen nature. The more we'll be ruled by Him, led by Him, and not tempted by the things of this world. He won't have anything in us to be tempted by. You know, I, I used to do drugs whenever I was younger, and I would be tempted by when somebody had drugs, and they, I would be tempted. They'd give it to me, and I, and I would give in. When I got delivered and set free from that, someone could come up to me today because it is no longer in me. I have been delivered, and I would say, no, thank you. I'm, that's okay. I'm not tempted by it because it's not in me anymore. Remember, Jesus told his disciples, he said, the ruler of this world is coming, but he don't have anything in me. He's the tempter. The Bible calls him the wicked one. Calls him the ruler of demons. All the fallen angels. You know, when, when Satan fell out of heaven, uh, really was cast out of heaven, uh, he had deceived, before he was cast out, he had deceived one-third of the angelic hosts that were created by God. He's a deceiver. So de he's so deceiving. That's what's, that's what's very... Uh, scary about being deceived is you don't even know you're deceived it takes the light of the gospel of jesus christ to show us that we have been deceived it's his word that's able to judge between the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts Be between our soul and our spirit our bone and our marrow his word can decipher it devil's a deceiver the ruler of demons the Bible calls him the God of this world. Really, this, it's this fallen world's system. Don't take too much to look at the news and see that this system is broken. Amen? He's the God of this atmosphere. That's why it's so important for us to create a, a heaven's atmosphere, to get into God's presence. When we begin to acknowledge him and begin to worship him, no matter, even though we're living in this realm right now where he is the God of this world or, or this world influence, we bring the influence of heaven and push him back. Heaven's more powerful if you didn't know. Amen? Light is power, more powerful than darkness. 
The Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. Calls him a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's always on the prowl. We're supposed to be sober and vigilant. Amen? Submit to God. Resist the devil. The Bible calls him in Revelations that great dragon or the serpent of old, referring to the Garden of Eden, the serpent that deceived Eve. He's also called the thief. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief, talking about Satan, our adversary, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. When he comes on the scene, you can guarantee that he's got a plot to either steal, kill, or destroy you. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly he came to give the opportunity for you to be able to choose to have life i came that you may that you could that it would be made available to you to choose life amen are you with me this morning but we're not here to focus on the devil come on now we're not here to focus on the power of God. He's the one that set us free. It says in John 3, 8, that the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. And guess what? He destroyed the works of the devil. Doesn't mean the devil's still not running around there, but he he had has taken the power, the keys of the heaven, to, to keys of the uh, death, hell, and the grave. He has taken it back. He has all authority over the enemy, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father now, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and he has given us that authority that we must exercise in this fallen world. We are ambassadors of heaven in this fallen world to bring transformation in this fallen world and to prove to this fallen world that Jesus reigns. Amen? Hallelujah. I love that. It says he, he, uh, uh, he appeared for this purpose to destroy the works. Uh, that word works in the Greek actually means the occupation or the acts of the devil. Acts chapter 10 verse number 38 says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. He healed all who were oppressed. Uh, the Amplified Version says harassed. Ever been harassed before? Come on now, this is where it comes from. That word harassed means this, to disturb persistently, to torment as with troubles or cares. To bother continually. We're not talking about your little brother or your little sister. To bother continually. To pester or persecute. To trouble by repeated attacks. You know, you have to know when, when things are coming against you or things are being resisted against you, it's not God. God, God won't, he's not going to resist you. You know, we can, uh, there's things that's not like he's got to hold us back and just say, no, no, no. God is more powerful than us. We, we can keep ourselves out of his presence. There's things that we can do allowing sin in our lives that, that we are distanced from God. But God does not oppose us. 
He's for us. The enemy opposes us. He's trying to keep you from putting on the super suit. He'd rather you run around, woman, where's my super suit? Right? He don't want you to put it on because if you realize who you truly are, you put him in his place. Amen? I love this scripture in Isaiah. I found this years ago. And uh, it's Isaiah chapter 54, verse number uh, 14 and 15. And it says this, In righteousness, God's speaking here. He's prophesying through the prophet Isaiah. In righteousness, you will be established. I'm going to say that a couple times because you need to get this. In righteousness, you will be established. It's in righteousness that you will be established. Now, God goes on to say, If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. Whoever assails you will fall because of you. Now, that word assail means this in the Hebrew. To attack physically and violently, to assault, to leap on, to attack with arguments, questions, and doubts. Isn't that the devil? To leap upon you violently. Sometimes I've been there when I've, I've been oppressed by the devil. We're not talking possessed by the devil. You can't have the spirit of God and the spirit of Antichrist at the same time. Okay? But as Christians, we can be oppressed where you get pushed down. And I've been through times where I've been pushed down, by, and I, I felt it like I was being attacked physically in my body. And it was in those times, I mean, I could feel, even though I could not see, I could feel a demonic presence pushing me down in my soul, physically. I felt hopeless. And it wasn't until I used the Word of God and thanked the Lord for the Holy Spirit. I remember that time, it was about a two-year period that, I was just afflicted by a spirit of condemnation, just constantly hitting me and knocking me. And I remember right, right to the, to that, up to that final place, because it always seems to get the heaviest right before the breakthrough. Did you hear that? It always seems to get the heaviest right before the breakthrough. And I remember laying in bed, and I was supposed to be in our church in Florida. I was supposed to be leading worship that day, and I was laying in my bed, and I was already late for practice. And I felt so worthless. I felt like a worm. I felt it, all these words that the enemy was just speaking to me. And then the Holy Spirit, thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit, said, that's not what the Word of God says. And I was like, wait, 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 wait a second. That's right. I said, no, the Word of God says this. And I began to say the opposite according to the Word of God than what, what that Spirit was telling me. Even though I couldn't see the Spirit, I felt it was weird. I, I could feel him being pushed back. And leave the room. And there's been, since that day I've been delivered. And there, I'm not saying he don't come back sometimes. Because remember, even when Satan left Jesus, it says he, he left until there was a more uh, suitable or opportune time to come back and try to find a door. Amen. Just, you just got to stand. Oh, I remember you. I ain't going back there. I've been there. Uh-uh. Got the t-shirt. Burned it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. He says, if anyone fiercely assails you, it won't be from me. Whoever assails you will fall because of you. And in verse number 17, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn by the word of God. This is the heritage or the inheritance of the saints of the Lord. 
and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. That word vindication right there means righteousness. Their righteousness is from me. It's in righteousness that you'll be established. The devil wants to rob you, and Jesus wants to robe you. I'll say it again. The devil wants to rob you. Jesus wants to robe you with who he is. It's only hidden in him that I'm able to push back the powers of darkness. Go out there by yourself and try to do it without Jesus, and you'll run away like the sons of Sceva. Ah. No, he knows. And, and he'll push your buttons. He'll keep pushing your buttons until you put on Christ and you do it in the authority of your Lord and Savior, and then he turns and he flees. When you resist the devil having submitted to God, and you cannot submit to God without submitting to Christ, as you submit to Christ and you put him on and you resist the devil, he has to flee. Amen? I didn't make that principle up. I didn't put that law in order. God did. He says, when you submit to me and then you resist the devil, he will flee. Come on now. Look at this in Colossians chapter 3. I, I really love this scripture in the, the Passions translation. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why you are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie of this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. This is a heavenly reality. We, we, we are dead to this life, but we are alive unto God. Now, I want to share with you briefly these last few moments together here, in this last service before we go into 2019, I want to share with you three things that I truly believe that the enemy is going to try to keep you distracted from having a revelation in because you need this to walk victoriously. Just three. And they're found in Romans chapter 14. It says this, the kingdom of God, or the, the literal translation says, the reign of God is not eating or drinking. It's not, it's not a physical thing. It's not a natural thing. It's not things we just consume and it's done away with. The kingdom of God or the reign of God is not eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Anybody remember Ron Canoli? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Nobody? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be part of the kingdom? Had a little, uh, little uh, Italian, not Italian, a little island flair to it. You don't remember hearing that song? Look it up on YouTube. How I want to be part of the kingdom. <laughs> that was an awesome song. Anyhow. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not natural things. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. These are three supernatural, eternal things. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, the next verse says this, and I like the way it says it in the Passion Translation. It says, 
uh, verse number 18, serving the anointed one by walking in these kingdom realities, righteousness, peace, and joy, it pleases God and earns the respect of others. The Aramaic right there says, it is beautiful to God. When you walk in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, it's pleasing and beautiful to God. You gain respect of others. He's, see, the enemy's always going to, there's this the way that the Lord has it. It may not, you know, people can resist, but in the end, it always rains out that God's way is best. He knows what's going on. He knows how to change a heart. We, as the people of God, have to learn how to stand in what Christ has done for us, putting on that suit so we can stand in this earth and represent him well. So I want to talk about these three kingdom realities that Satan's trying to distract you from. And uh, really over this last year, the Lord has really brought this to my attention and, and I've, been, I've been practicing this and I'm making it my goal in this next year to really practice this because it's these three areas that will get you out of confidence, it will get you out of peace. Whenever the enemy tries to come in and, and get you out of these three areas, you'll find yourself distant from God and you'll be less effectual for the kingdom. But if you can stay in these things or find out from where have you fallen from these three, then you'll be able to get back into that suit and say, wait a second, no, this thing works. Right? I was trying to get a little heroic. Anyhow, whatever. So, number one, righteousness. To know that you are righteous is to know that you have been made right. The enemy, your adversary, will always challenge you. You're not right with God. Now, if I'm doing things, if I'm practicing things that are contrary to the word of God, well then, yeah, I need to get my life right. But if I'm doing everything that I know, and I, it was pleasing to the Lord, but still I'm being harassed or assailed by the enemy, violently attacked, I can say, because the Holy Spirit, if, 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 if I'm doing something, if I'm sinning in some way, one of the rules of the Holy Spirit is to convict me that this is not the kingdom way. This is, not, this is not the way that the order is of the kingdom. You need to get yourself, you're, you're, you're tapped off. Now, I can get to a place as I continue to resist the Holy Spirit. Every time I resist the Holy Spirit, when he's trying to minister to me as an heir of salvation, but I choose to resist him and do what I want to do, a film comes over my heart, and eventually it begins to get calloused. And eventually, if I, if I can get calloused and... and Eventually, you know, callous is one thing. It can get to a place where you resist so much that you get seared. Seared is, seared is a hard thing. I mean, that's, if you ever, you can think of, any way I can really describe it, growing up around farms and stuff like that, you know, is to see a cow and you get that branding iron. And it sears your skin. Never the same. It, it never, that, that never will become soft flesh again. Right? I mean, God, obviously God can. But we don't want, we don't want to resist the Holy Spirit, we want to resist the devil. We want to submit to God and resist the devil. Amen? To know that we've been made right with him. I love this in Romans chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the good, this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right with himself. 
I like that. This good news about Christ tells us how God makes him, us right with him in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It's by faith in what Christ has done that I'm made right. Nothing in and of ourselves we will ever do to make us right with God. It's what Christ has done. But out of what he's done and me by faith receiving that, I also receive the invitation to walk like him and to live like him, to become more like him every day. Amen? First, or Second Corinthians says this in chapter 5. He, God the Father, made him, Jesus, our Lord, who knew no sin to be sin or become sin on our behalf so that Jesus actually became sin. That's hard, to, that's hard to fathom, but that's the greatness of his love. He literally became sin. He had to become sin so that sin could die and it wouldn't have no power over us. Jesus was literally separated from the Father. It's easy for us to see him in his deity. He came from God. He's here, you know. But no, on the cross, he was separated, body, soul, and spirit from the Father. That's why he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? The answer, so that we could come. Jesus was forsaken by the Father so that we could come to the Father. He endured our sin, the sin, not just ours individually, but every sin of all the world. He took upon himself all the works of the devil and died in our place so that we could be made right with him. That's a big chunk of the super suit. We are made right with God. Devil don't want you to know that you've been made right with God. Because knowing that you are made right with God keeps you in fellowship with Him. Knowing that you're made right with God, it keeps you in fellowship with Him. Number two, said righteousness, number two is peace. And peace is knowing that I'm forgiven <laughs> and I'm favored. It's, 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 it's twofold. It's just, it's just not peace with God that, I, that I'm forgiven. It's peace with God. I've been forgiven, and I'm also favored now. It's just not that, he, that he's washed me over with his blood and forgiven me, but he's brought me back to the original plan that he has for me. He has forgiven all my transgressions. He has forgiven all my guilt, all my shame, all these things. He's washed it away, and he favored me. He brought favor upon me. You think about the, uh, the um, uh, prodigal son. He goes, away. He, he goes away smelling like roses. He's got his coat and everything on from his father. And he, he goes away. He comes back looking like Phil, smelling like pigs. The father forgave him and favored him. Put his clothes back on him. Here, no, no. This is your real attire. Put this on. No, this. You have authority in my house. Take the ring upon you. Get sandals on your feet. There's peace again. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5, I love this. Since we have been made right, we just talked about it. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege. You'll never deserve what he's done for you. I'll never deserve what he's done for me. It's undeserved 
privilege. Simply because I choose to believe what the world would call foolish, that the Son of God came and died for my sins. That my life was that wicked and I was that separated from God that I needed a Savior. I believe it. Do you believe it? We give this undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And because of this, this is where the enemy tries to come in. He always tries to condemn, telling us that we're not forgiven. He'll try to bring up all the things of the past. Everything that you've already asked forgiveness for has been done away with. God will never bring sin back in your face again. Once you've asked for forgiveness, the Holy Spirit will convict you and show you how this sin in your life or this area where you may be practicing something that's contrary to the kingdom of God, he'll show it to you. His sole desire is to come close to you. And as long as we're practicing sin or walking in sin, every time we step closer, we think we're stepping closer to him. It's like he's stepping back because as long as that sin is there, we can't come, we can't come close to one another. If he deals with something in your life, it's really him saying, I love you so much and I don't want this to be between us. Please, let me help you deal with this in your life so that you can come closer and that I can come closer. It says, come close to God or submit to God. You know what it says? Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. We're taking that step. He's taking that step. But I'm taking that step away from my way of living, my standards, my view of what is good and what is evil and stepping into his. What he says is good is good. What he says is harmful is harmful to my life. Amen? Romans 8, 2 say, or 1 and 2 says this, There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, but the enemy will try to come and condemn you. He'll try to come and get you out of peace. He wants to keep you out of the fact that you know that you're made right with God. He wants to keep you out of the fact that, that you, you've been forgiven of all your sin, past. And even if there's something right now that you're walking through and you ask Jesus to forgive you, he forgives you like that. When you come to him, and you look through scripture, look through the Old Testament, the whole way to the New Testament. No matter how vile a, vile a person was or not, or no matter what they'd done, when they turned to God, God turned to them. When they wholeheartedly turn to God, even Israel, all the things they've done, being exiled nations and nations away, whatever, how many thousands of miles away from their, their homeland. But when they turn to God, they acknowledge God, they recognize their sin, they turn to God, God favored them. He forgave them and he favored them. He brought them back to the original plan. Hallelujah. Someone, I don't know, I don't know if you're, I'm excited about this. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, knowing that you are forgiven of all past sins, and even things you're walking through right now, you're asking for his strength, you're asking, you're, you're walking it through. He forgives you, and he wants to empower you, so whatever it is that you may be stumbling in, that as you lean upon him, it will be removed from you, and it will no longer have any power over you. It will no longer be in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Knowing that you're forgiven of all past sins gives you confidence in the chaos. There's, this world is chaotic. There's so many things that will come against you. But knowing that you're forgiven, that you are favored by God, will give you confidence in the midst of the chaos. 
I mean, this last couple of weeks for me, Natasha has been kind of crazy. We got one vehicle that went down, found out it's going to be pretty expensive. Got a, got a vehicle for our son, and like a week later, he only drove it three times. Something's wrong with that now. I don't even know what's going on there. Praise the Lord. And then guess what? I just wanted a cup of coffee. And found out that I went to Caribou, swiped my card, got, got a cup of coffee, and they were hacked. So I got hacked. $500 taken from my checking account. What is going on? Right? It's chaotic. But knowing that you're forgiven, knowing that you are privileged and favored with God gives you peace in the chaos. We got our money back. Praise the Lord. God's still working out the vehicles. But they're His. I gave them to Him. So it's like, hey, God, you got to do something with your vehicle. Right? That's why it's important to give everything to God. Hey, you got it all, Lord. It's yours. You better do something about it. <laughs> I just keep, keep our faith. Keep trusting. Obeying. Amen? Staying close. Last thing. Joy. Joy is knowing that you are filled and empowered. I'm filled. I'm empowered. You have everything that you need. Right now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if Christ is on the inside of you this morning where you sit, you have everything that you need. You are filled and empowered by heaven. Hallelujah. The devil don't want you to know that. He don't want you to know that you're made right with God, that God is helping you to live right before him, giving you the power, that supernatural power to live outside of sin. Woo! Wasn't there before, before Jesus. Jesus came on the scene. I trusted in Jesus. And once before, I, I wasn't able to live apart from sin, but now I can. Hallelujah. That's like, take that, devil. Our pastor, Arthur, used to always, he's, he was a gymnast, and so he could do a lot better than me. He'd just go, take that, devil, and he'd kick his foot, but he, you know, his leg, because he was so limber, and he'd hold it there like a show-off. <laughs> it's like, gosh. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> Listen to this verse. Isaiah chapter 12, verse number 2 and 3. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Now look at this. Therefore, with joy, you will draw waters from the wells of salvation. Wells is plural, not singular. There's many, there's many benefits to the salvation that Jesus has, has brought for us. It says, with joy... You will draw waters, refreshing, things that you need, resources, out of the wells of salvation. What's my drawing tool? With joy, you will draw. Joy is so important. The enemy knows that joy is so important. If you don't have joy, you don't have the utensil needed to dig in to the resources of heaven. Joy is so powerful because you can't truly be in joy and, and not be in faith. When you're in joy, you're in faith. Because I'm not, you know, just like, uh, you know, this, there's many scriptures in the Bible that says, you know, though you, uh, 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 what is it, like, you know, uh, sorrow may come for the night, you know, but, but joy comes in the morning, right? Sometimes our, our drawing mechanism is just so dried out, we need to put a little tears on it, right, just to kind of wet, wet the whistle a little bit, and then we're able to dig down inside. Sometimes we just need a release, you know, you know, holding all the, all the chaos of the world inside of our own souls. It's, it, we can't take it. That's why Jesus came. He came to take chaos upon himself. 
okay? He was tormented. Everything that we got, he had it a billion times more because it was for all the world, right? But it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. It was joy that gave him strength. It was joy that he was drawing from the supply that this will soon be over and I will be again with my father and there will be many children that will come and be with me. And we'll be together in the presence of the Lord. Amen? With joy. You got to, sometimes you just have to cry. There's times, I, you know, I, I like to think of myself that I'm a pretty tough guy. And besides when I watch, whenever I watch uh, um, Hallmark movies, um, then, you know, you just got to have the t- tissue there. Ridiculous. <laughs> but anyhow, so I'm a softy that way. But um, actually, they, they actually say that um, guys that... Um, actually cry, you know, during movies, there's a, a, an actual, there's, a, there's a, a, a survey taken that, you know, it, whether it be guys or girls, whenever you're crying during movies, it shows you that have, you have more mental strengthness. Now, is it, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm just, when I'm like, I'm, you know, watching the movies, I'm flexing my muscles, is what's happening. <laughs> All right, let's get back. Praise the Lord. Joy is important. You know, there has to be release. I, I, I find it in my own life in times when I think the Lord brings us to those places where we just, we have to open our souls to him. For, even if it's for this one purpose, to bring release, just, just to get it out. Because as long as I'm filled with all those things, those worries, those fear, I can never embrace joy. I never can. Because all these things are in there. It's just like, you know, you're sick and you know, you feel like you're going to vomit, but you don't want to vomit. But then when you do, you feel better because you're getting it out of your system. It, I know it was kind of, that was pretty, pretty crazy right there, but <laughs> whenever I've come to those places where there was no other way, I felt like I was doing everything I could and I just needed to empty my soul. I just needed to empty my soul and I would get before the Lord, God. I don't know, and I would just begin to, and still, it's still done in faith. Just because you're weeping and emptying your soul doesn't mean it's not done in faith. I'm coming to him in faith, and I'm just emptying my soul. And then after I get it all out, there's nothing else there, then there's kind of like, okay, now let's fill up. All right. Tears may last for the night. Joy comes in the morning. You may go about, uh, you know, planting seed with tears, but joy will come with the harvest. Amen. Joy is the tool by which you dip into the, the salvation wells of Jesus Christ and the things of heaven and that resource. And the devil don't want you to have that. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Another version says this, the joy of the Lord will make you strong. The apostle Peter calls it joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can't even speak about it. It's like you can't put words to it. You're just like, woohoo! Just begin to shout, dance in the presence of the Lord. Knowing that you're made right with God keeps you in fellowship with Him. Knowing that you have forgiveness, peace with God through past sins gives you confidence in the chaos. And when it comes to joy, staying filled with kingdom joy gives you the tool you need to draw from the resources of heaven. Let's stand up if you would.
I'll give you one last verse. It says here in, in Ephesians chapter 4, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self. One translation says, put on Christ, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth.